If you're a pop culture junkie who loves TV, film, music, comedy, and other really important stuff, then you've come to the right place. Get ready and settle in for Classic Conversations, the best pop culture interviews in the world. That's right, we circled the globe so you don't have to. If you're ready to be the king of the water cooler, then you're ready for Classic Conversations with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. All right, Sue, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going each and every week, and this week was no exception. Welcome, everybody, to episode 149 of Classic Conversations. As always, I am your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Great to have you back for another classic conversation that's going to rank in the classicness of them all. That's right. Actress, comedian, and writer Kathy Ladman is joining me today. That's right. You heard me correctly. The legendary Kathy Ladman is here. Oh, we're talking comedy. We're talking Mike Nichols. We're talking Paul Reiser. We're talking Jerry Seinfeld. We're talking all about her solo show. Does this show make me look fat? A comedian takes on anorexia, a very important project of Kathy's. She's going to tell us all about it. And that's coming up in just a few seconds. I'm going to use these few seconds to remind you there is over 145 interviews and shows waiting for you on this podcast, but specifically episode 148, Christian Ganeer. Christian starred as 10 in Stranger Things. That's right. Right from the Hawkins lab, right to Classic Conversations. He's here. He's talking about working with Matthew Modine, working on working with the Duffer Brothers on Stranger Things. We dive into a few other cool stuff that he's done. Do not miss that episode. Christian is 13 years old. He's done more than I've done my entire life, and he's got a whole lifetime ahead of him. So exciting stuff. So check that out. Oh man, a few seconds just fly by, don't they? All right, Kathy Ladman is coming up right now. We talk about Curb Your Enthusiasm, her guest spot on Modern Family, Mad Men, her feature at The Three Stoogettes. This episode also comes with an impromptu review of Elvis, and I explain the boys to Kathy. Oh, and Kathy named the episode during the episode. So enjoy. All right, here we go. Enjoy. All right, everyone, I'm excited to introduce you to my next guest, actress, comedian, writer, the super hilarious Kathy Ladman. What's up? Oh, my God. That's too much. (laughs) Too much. Super hilarious. You are super hilarious. Oh, all right. Well, thank you. It sounds like a big buildup. I uh, it's early for me here. So super hilarity doesn't get doesn't kick in until after lunch. You don't have to feel like you're super hilarious in this. OK, interview. they're going to they're no. just getting we're going to get to know you and then they'll go. You OK, know, they'll go YouTube you and all that kind of stuff. And, right, right. And get the okay. full Kathy Ladman full experience. effect. Yeah. So, well, thanks for hanging with me. I appreciate oh, I'm, it. I'm excited. Sue, Sue Kalinsky is the person who who brought me to you. And I love Sue. And she says hi. And speak so highly of you. Sue and I had a great time. And I also talked to, I think, another one of your besties, uh, Monica Piper. Yes. I was like, I was, I was looking at Monica's Facebook once and I'm like, oh, as soon as I talked to Kathy, I'm like, this whole friendship group almost. <laughs> yes. Well, you have to get Debbie Casper in there. All right, let's do that. And, and then have you spoken to Wendy Liebman yet? She has eluded me. So if you can help me with that. Oh man, go. I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to facilitate that for you. Uh, uh, Wendy Liebman is awesome. She's very, funny. yeah, she's great. 
She's really great. Yeah, Sue and I had a, a great time talking. It's interesting. Did you talk sports? We you no, know, because I don't know anything about sports. So oh, I, okay. You know, so All I right. do enough research to know what topics to also avoid. Right. <laughs> you know, sports is like if somebody says something to me about sports, it'd be like I'll go, mm-hmm. Right. I'm all right, I'm all right. And then oh, just yeah. pray they I, don't do a follow-up. <laughs> right. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. The interesting thing about you and Sue Kalinsky is that you are both inspired by an album. Oh, really? That's interesting. Well, which one was she inspired by? First the first family. family? Yeah. I had a feeling. Yes. Yes. Because it was impressions. Yeah. I never even saw Sue when she was doing impressions, but she told me that's how she started. Yeah. She used to do like women version of the guy voice. <laughs> Right, right. Well, I have two comedy albums from my parents' collection. One of them is The First Family with Vaughn Meter. Right. And the other one is the one that influenced me, which is Mike Nichols and Elaine May Examine Doctors. Right. When you heard that, like, what what was it about it that kind of uh, resonated with you? You know, it's very hard to articulate it in a tangible way. There was just something about their... You know, I was very young when I got into, I was like eight years old and their humor is very sophisticated and not at all broad. And their scenarios, are you familiar with their, their work together? I listened to some of it. Gauze, gauze, gauze. Gauze, yes. I have, I have a good story about gauze unless you might know this story already, but I, I can tell it to you. Basically, I just I just love the situations that they created and the characters they created. And, and they were just hilarious to me, just hilarious, like really grounded. I mean, of course, they do take things to the absurd, which you heard in Gauze, but which is about I'll tell for the people who are listening, which is about a doctor and a nurse doing surgery. And during the surgery, the doctor is telling the nurse she knows that he's been after her, he's he, that he loves her. And she's like, please stop pressuring me. And and basically he gets her into a situation where he he will not save the patient until she says, yes, she'll marry him. And so I I memorized the whole album when I was eight years old. Okay. So I um I memorized the whole album. And when I would go to sleep at night, my mom would come up to my room, sit on the edge of my bed. I would say my prayers. And then I would do a selection off the album for her. To me, the oddest part of that story is that I said prayers. But I mean, I guess that, you know, I, that's that's how I was raised. But she, of course, thought it was pretty odd. I mean, she never told me she thought it was odd, but I could tell from her reaction to me doing the uh, selection off the album that it was, oh, okay. That's nice. <laughs> what kind of prayers? A little bracha or like <laughs> they were? Well, it was like a now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. Got it. You know the if I should die before I wake. Got it. Horrible prayer. Horrible. Horrible. Um. So years later, and several. I mean, I used to listen to this a lot. This album when I was a kid, and then it would keep resurfacing in my life. Like when I did my first Tonight Show, and I was uh, I was getting ready at home, putting on my makeup because I like the ritual of of putting on my makeup by myself, I thought, what should I listen to? What music should I listen to? And then I thought, I'm going to listen to that album. That would be like such a cool thing to listen to when I'm getting ready to do my first Tonight Show spot. And then another time it came up also with when I went to get Mike Nichols autograph at the Comedy Awards when he was being honored, I brought the album with me. What happened was I did an audition to be in a Mike Nichols film. This one was um, a flop of his. 
called I'm Dying, uh, not I'm Dying Up Here, excuse me, What Planet Are You From? The Gary Shandling one right, with Annette right. Benning. And it did not do well at all. But it was, uh, I was cast in it and it was, it was absolutely thrilling. At my second audition was in front of Mike Nichols and and, it, and I brought the album to show him. See, you know, I thought, I thought, you know, what do I have to lose? How, who knows if I'm even going to get this? Who knows if I'll have this opportunity again? So I brought the album and I brought something else to show him. And he goes, yep, that's my that's my signature. And so I get cast in this. We were shooting uh, north north of here, like in the Antelope Valley, very hot, arid area and standing outside on a patio. And he had broken his foot. So he was in a boot and he wasn't moving around a lot. And he was telling the DP how to set up the cameras, what he how he wanted the shot. And and I just happened to be standing next to him. It was just like one of those random things. I was standing like shoulder to shoulder with him and something came over me. I didn't I didn't think about it. But I just said gauze and he said gauze. And then I said more gauze and he said more gauze. And we were doing the bit together. I was doing this with Mike Nichols. That's awesome. It was so. Did you say it's gossam? That's awesome. I should have said that's gossam. That <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the gardener. <laughs> but it was one of the most unbelievable experiences in my life, how I had come like full circle from being a a child and having this connection and then actually working with this person and doing the bit that I had memorized when I was eight years old. It was, it was an unbelievable experience. It's so cool. And probably worked out that you just kind of subtly slipped it in there. (laughs) So was it cool meeting him? Oh my God, it was amazing. And, and, and at one point I said to him, I, you know, I, I got confused because I was doing his part and he was doing Elaine May's part. So I, I got confused and I, I stopped. I said, I can't believe I'm doing this with Mike Nichols. And he says, I can't believe I am Mike Nichols. And <laughs> it was amazing meeting him. It was amazing meeting him. And then I did a small part in Charlie Wilson's War. So I got to work with him again. That's awesome. So yeah. too bad that the Gary Shandling one was about, but his like, the birdcage, working girl regarding yes. Henry, the graduate. I mean, he's got. Oh my God, he was quite a lineup. <laughs> an amazing, an amazing director. Um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? I mean, mm-hmm. Angels in America. Oh yeah. my God, just an, an amazing, amazing director, and in theater and in film, um, he had an amazing career, and he had a great marriage with uh, Diane Sawyer. So it was a he had a, and I'm in the middle of reading his uh, the his biography. Oh, I'm a terrible reader. I have to tell that. I, it's it's one of the things that I feel most badly about about myself, and keep berating myself about it. Like I can't berate myself and then go, okay, I'm done berating myself. I have to keep berating myself afresh about the fact that I'm not a good reader. Isn't that unfair? No, no, no. I'm not a good reader either. But like doing the podcast, when people write books, I'll read the book before I talk to them. Oh, that's so, so that's- good. So that's how I get into reading. <laughs> that's so good. Like, what books have you read that in that situation? I've read uh, Sharon Glass's autobiography. Oh, cool. Asner, like a bunch. I, I'm blanking 100. Okay, right all right. I know I'm putting you in a position, but that's great. I need I need a job like that that would make me read. Right. I just right. put. You know, I'm just. You know, I think I have a little ADD. I do. Reading's hard. I have a cousin that can read literally a book a day, like with like 90% retention. Insane. Wow. And what else does this cousin do with his or her life? She's a teacher, but she's just a natural speed reader. Wow. And I can't, I can't read a book. Like if someone says, like they'll send me a book, right? And so I'll say, I'll read the book before we talk. And 
<laughs> I get the book. They're like, well, when can we do the interview? I have to, well, I have to see how big the type is. <laughs> <laughs> Then I can determine how fast I can read it. Because sometimes right. these books are like really small type. And that's oh only my twice God. as many pages, you know? It's like, it's, that makes it a little hard. <laughs> oh, God. It makes it really more tedious. Yes. So tedious. All right. We just need to take a quick break. Thank everyone for their support of the sponsors. When you support the sponsors, you're supporting us here at Classic Conversations. And that's how we keep the lights on. Now back to my conversation with Kathy Ladman. I was just about to reveal to her another super famous comedian was also inspired by the album Examining Doctors. I've said too much. Back to the interview. So that's really cool. Oh, you know, I also read that John Mulaney, comedian yes. John Mulaney, also 100% inspired by... Nichols and May? Yep. Really? Oh, wow. Oh, man, I would love to get a chance to talk to him about that one day. If I ever meet him. Next time you bump into him, boom. I've never bumped into him. Well, in case you do. Now, in case well, now I do. Now I, have, now, now I have a conversation starter. Thank the you. The universe is putting everything in place. Thank you so much. As we talk. You are welcome. You are welcome. So, Kathy, let me ask you, how did you get started in comedy? So you're inspired by this album, mm -hmm. doing bits to your mom while in between prayers. Like, what was it that kind well, of set you on the path to be funny? I was always, I was always a funny kid. I'm the youngest of three girls. Um, I was probably jockeying for position and wanting to be heard. And I found that I could make people laugh. And that was a great way to get the attention of people. It's particularly my parents. I mean, that's where it starts. Everything starts at home. And then, you know, I was class clown in, in junior high and I just loved making people laugh. And I decided when I was 13, I'm going to be a comedian. And then it took me like almost another 13 years. I mean, it seems like so little. Thir only 13 years from the age 13 to age almost 26. Just I was just shy of 26. But I mean, I have I do these things in my head with numbers. Like I moved to L.A. in 1985. That is 37 years ago, wow. which is staggering to me. I'm 66 years old. In another 37 years, I will be 103. Isn't that crazy to think that it, it just that kind of math just boggles my mind. So anyway, so it took. Yeah. So it took me until I was I was it was in June. Actually, June 28th is my 41st comedy anniversary. Wow. That's awesome. 41 years. Mazel tov. Oh, isn't that crazy? <laughs> you know, that's, thank you. And yeah, <laughs> um, so I, when I, the first time I, I did the Tonight Show with Johnny and I sat on the couch and he said to me, uh, well, you're very good. You're, you're very funny. You're very funny. Uh, how long have you been doing this? And I actually said eight and a half long years, eight and a half long years. I thought it was a long time, eight and a half years. And he said to me, well, you're getting very good at it. And I said, thanks. So are you. <laughs> it was a knee jerk reaction because I thought it was slightly condescending of him. And but he laughed and the audience laughed. So it was fine. But I had there was absolutely no editing to be done there. Even if it had bombed, that was coming out of my mouth. That's awesome, though. You're right. You know, I, I've seen a lot of old clips where it seemingly condescending comments. Especially to women. Especially to women. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, kind of old school. I mean, he was great and it was great working with him and it was great experiencing what he did so well. But he did have that kind of old school attitude towards women. How many? You were on the Tonight Show, what, nine times? Nine times. 
That's a lot of times. It's, you know, some people have done it like 30, 50, 60 times, but I think nine times is, uh, is great. I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of myself for having, having done that. Sure. Like, for, like, like I've done it zero times. So nine is I did like it nine incredible. more times than you did. Don't rub it in my face, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Only nine. That's not a lot. Right. I still have a chance. I've done it 60 more times than you have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't think now is, I don't see on the current Tonight Show as many, they don't have as many comedians, I don't think. I don't watch Jimmy Fallon's show so much. Do you watch it? It's weird. I, I don't watch it, but I see clips and I feel like at some right. point, uh, you know, at some point, that's what late, late night sort of became. If you didn't watch it, you still saw all the right. highlights because they right. just were viral videos, you know? Right. So if it's like one of those things where it's him and Ariana Grande doing the spin the wheel and she's right. impersonating Celine Dion. Yeah, I've seen that. Did you ever see, you know, did you happen to see him? I'm just pulling my neck back because I hate it. I hate aging. I'm, I know I'm, I'm like, we one, I'm one of a kind. I hate aging. What? We should all look as good as you at 66. You, well, you look, thank you, you. But it's never would have guessed that. Not, not that I would have guessed. I never would have gone down it's that still road. still confronting. Guessing. But um, <laughs> my friend, <clears throat> my best friend of 40, how many years? 46 years. We met when we were teachers together outside of Philadelphia. She was a producer on Reading Rainbow for like nine years. And they just did a documentary of, of the show called Butterfly in the Sky. And my friend, best friend's name is Kathy also. And she asked me if I'd ever seen Jimmy Fallon do Jim Morrison singing that song. Have you ever seen that? Um, I might have. I've seen it. Oh, my it. God. It's so great. I mean, if you've not seen it, you should first listen to the song, you know, the Reading Rainbow, basically theme song. And then watch him singing it. it. It's it's hilarious. I mean, his those things that he does are great. But I'm not oh, his, I'm not his the audience for his show. I'm old. He's got a talent for the voice. I mean, he can oh, yeah. sing like the people he can impersonate. Jimmy Fallon introduced you at Just for Laughs. Yes, and you know, when we worked the last time we had worked together before that, he was opening for me at the Improv in Vegas. Hasn't that funny how how show business works out? <laughs> that is, everything, uh, yeah, it's, you never know. I, I can tell you all these stories. Oh, there are so many great stories. You know, did you ever hear the story about how Paul Reiser got the movie Diner? No. He went to Macy's with his friend and, and fellow comic, Michael Hampton King, and Michael Hampton Kane, excuse me, and uh, who, who has since left us. And Paul had to buy some underwear. And so Michael had to go to this audition for Diner. So Paul just accompanied him. And they saw Paul in the room and they said, hey, do you want to read for this? And he read for it and he got the part. Oh, that's awesome. I know. He was he's, just with his friend on an audition. He's had a pretty solid acting career. Oh, my God. He's, and he's great. He was just in The Boys. I yeah I what is the boys I've not seen it the boys is one of the greatest TV shows I've heard ever. that tell me what it's about it is basically about it's based on a comic book also yes. called the boys right it's about superheroes mm -hmm. but it's like a real reality take on it like they're not good people you know what I mean it's like these people you know, with Superman every everything is kind of built up to be like this whole you know they're American and the American way and justice and right, right. most You're of these very superheroes virtuous. yeah 
these are like assholes and they're they're like products and they're, it's all about marketing machines. Oh, wow. And it's all just like- They're all like not good people? Yeah, a lot of them aren't. And okay. it's, they're all controlled by this corporation. Gotcha. And when I tell you it's insane, it's the most insane. Can't like eat dinner and watch the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> like that's- how, um, that, Where do we, where is it in? HBO. Okay, then I should I should try to um, start from the beginning, I guess. Oh, How many yeah, yeah, seasons yeah. has it been on? I think third season just started, so it's like in the middle. He's on the new season, correct? He, he was in uh, one episode of the last season, just the one that just aired. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Did you see him on um... Kaminsky Method? Yes, he was great. Yes, he scared me. He scared us and all our friends for a minute because they made him look really old, yes, like an aged. Like yes. That wasn't the Paul Reiser I know in my heart. Right. I mean, and he like was a, close, close to unrecognizable. He looked like horrible. Like, oh my God, Paul Reiser really let himself go. Yes. And then I like, saw him in something else and we're like, <laughs> yeah, well, I knew that that was not Paul. I mean, what, yeah. I mean, I knew first I was like, whoa, that's Paul. But I knew it was makeup and a, and, a, and a wig. I mean, I knew that it was pretty extreme. That's a great series too. He's great in it. And yes. that's a great, great series as well. Terrific. Yes. All right. Let's get back to talking about Kathy Ladman. Oh gosh. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how I steer the conversation away from me though? No, but I love, I love, it's good. I mean, I love hearing like stories like that, to be honest. It's fun to get insight from people like you that know folks and all that kind of stuff. You know, Oh, can I say one more thing about something else? Yeah, of course. That I just saw the movie Elvis. Ooh. I loved it. And it's, it's gotten very mixed reviews. My friend Gail Berman produced it, and I'm incredibly proud of her. She's been successful in this business for years, but I'm I'm very proud of this foray of hers. And the guy who plays Elvis is so unbelievable. It's so worth seeing just for his performance. That's what I heard. I, I heard he's amazing. Yeah. And I was not a fan of Elvis Presley's. I think I was a little, I'm a little, uh, believe it or not, I'm a little too young. It's nice to say that. I'm a little too young for that. I just kind of missed the Elvis stage. But this movie really gave me a, an appreciation for his work. That's so very cool. It's great to see. All right. Back to Kathy Ladman. All right. Uh, we have Kathy Ladman here. Um, <laughs> Is the D on your hat for Dwaskin or Detroit? Detroit Tigers. Oh, okay. Tigers. I thought you're not into sports. I like sports and I like going to sports. Oh. You know, I, enjoy, I can enjoy a sport. But you're not you're not deep into it. You're not into the deep cuts of sports. Not into the deep. Like, you know, chill, a nice day. I'm not going to go to opening day if it's freezing. Right, know? right. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I love baseball. I love it. And I was used to watch Dodger games all the time when I had access to them. Now I don't currently have access to them, but I definitely keep up on the uh, scores on my ESPN app and the standings because I'm very interested in that. But I do miss watching the games. I like going there. Comerica Park where they play is really nice. And then, you really know, nice isn't it? Just... I just hate all the corporate names. Oh, yes. I hate it. Yes. I hate that Shea Stadium is now, well, it's a new bit. It's a new stadium, but it's City Field and Candlestick is was Qualcomm. And I don't even know if it's still Qualcomm, but it's, it was one of the first Candlestick was one of the first ones that I remember being changed to a corporate name. And it's like, what? And it really, I mean, corporate America, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not crazy about this country right now. Everything's corporate, but you know what? I guess they got to pay the bills too, right? I mean, if 
If I could get somebody to pay my mortgage, I I would definitely have McDonald's house. That's a bad example. Burger King. I'm going to edit that out. I definitely have Burger King house. Do you I'd edit this oh, podcast? Yeah, I can edit it. Oh, I, I just wondered. Oh, so, never mind. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So, oh, I read. And I, it's look no. at my attention. I'm mean, look at my ADD. It's terrible. I'm all over the place. Oh, I wanted to ask about this. I heard you talking. You met Seinfeld when you were young. Like in Israel. Yes. Right? Was it like yes. a birthright thing or is it whatever they called it? No, it wasn't birthright. I don't even know if they had birthright then, but we were we were on a like a it was called Histadrut was the name of the organization that had these tours. And we went to we toured for a couple of weeks with a group and then they dropped us, they dropped small groups off at different kibbutzim. And Jerry and I started going, we started dating. Well, we we liked each other and we started I mean, we weren't dating because we were on a tour, so we weren't going out places necessarily, sure. but but we really liked each other and we became boyfriend and girlfriend throughout the summer and it and then it continued after the tour. And it turned out, you know, he grew up in Massapequa on Long Island and my dad had a bowling alley in Massapequa Park, which was the adjacent town. And my dad knew his dad because their businesses were complimentary, like Jerry's dad made signs. And um, I remember my father saying, yeah, he's too expensive. Uh, yeah, I don't use him. He's too expensive. But he didn't, Jerry didn't drive at the time and neither did I. So we would rendezvous through my dad driving me there and then back. And then sometimes I would stay over at his house. Sometimes he would come back to Queens and stay at my house. And and then we dated once again when I went to Queens College for one semester, reconnected and dated again then. And now we're friends. Sorry to interrupt this amazing conversation with Kathy Ladman, but we have to take a quick break. Last one, I promise. And we're back with Kathy Ladman. I was just about to make an, an amazing observation. And we're back. While looking at some old Kathy Ladman clips on YouTube. Yes. It, no, all good. Okay. All good. You got an Elaine Bennis thing going on in those old years, or rather like she... Yes look just like you. It's very true. Uh, you know, one time I did the Tonight Show with Jason Alexander and during a break, he said, you got that that um, Julia Julia's hair going on. We, we call it the wall of hair, he said. <laughs> and this was back in the 80s when, you know, there was a lot of hair. Sure. But did is that it was that your hair when you were dating Jerry? No, 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 no. Um, I had a shag when I was dating okay. Jerry, as did he. <laughs> I just wondered if in the back of his head, he still had a thing. And then maybe he did, you know, look, we're, I think <laughs> made the character look like Kathy Ladman. <laughs> I think that we're very, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for him, but I, I, we both played a very significant part in each other's lives. He was my first love. I may have been his first love. And I was the one who told him that he'd be a great stand-up comic. And he listened to me. Well, thank you. Look what I did for the world. <laughs> yeah. I told this story on a different time I was talking, but like Jerry Seinfeld was an early inspiration for me when I was doing comedy. Mm -hmm. I'd seen him in concert and I had the ticket stub from the concert and I kept it in my notebook that I kept, you know, where you could write, you know, you jot down whatever. Sure. But I kept that with, I mean, probably good five plus years. It was always in my back pocket, sort of as like an inspiration. Wow. A little uh, kind of, what do you call it? A talisman? Yeah, so ipso facto, mm -hmm. you help. What does ipso facto mean? I don't know. No, okay, sorry. thank you, but thanks for using it. <laughs> 
No. Thanks for having the courage no. to use. I, I think though I think what it means is uh therefore, ah, right? Okay. Your you you have some you had some play right. in that as well. You know where right. ipso where I used to hear the term ipso facto a lot was uh on um some cartoon where there was a scientist and a, a dog. The dog was the. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like Rocky and Bullwinkle clip. No, it wasn't Rocky. And no, it wasn't Rocky and Bullwinkle, but like they played with them, didn't they? Yeah, it was. They, they it tra- was. Uh, yeah. It may have been the same. Uh, maybe it was Hanna Barbera who did yeah, both the, of those. Maybe the but same whatever. Thirty minutes. Same ilk. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. All right. So once again, steered away from Kathy Ledman. <laughs> no, it's good. We did. We were talking about. You told me all about your romance with jerry yes that was cool all right so that's all good sue kalinsky we mentioned that earlier yes so you were in the aristocrats yes with with sue and carrie yes right and so that's fun i had on this show and that i love that the whole aristocrats thing is so cool and that all the people involved what a great idea for a movie huh Oh, yeah, yeah. Paul Reiser actually had a good one in there. I, th- I think Paul was, uh, Paul Provenza was telling me that Paul Reiser was like, if I knew anyone would ever see this, I would have done, I would have combed my hair. Or right. That's so funny. <laughs> but, you know, that that movie actually created the resurgence in Bob Saget's I Miss Him uh, career because yeah. nobody knew but his friends and colleagues. Nobody knew how filthy Bob was. America knew him from Full House and America's Funniest Home Videos, basically. Very short time on the morning, CBS morning show. Then he did The Aristocrats and he was all out there. And that really gave him license to be who he was on a national basis. He really crushed that movie. He was one oh, of the, was I think him wonderful. and Gilbert Gottfried were probably the Well, two. I mean, you know, they well, they they made the movie a lot about them because they were so fantastic in it. I remember seeing Bob Saget in concert. It was part of a uh, Anthony and Opie virus tour where it was like right. Carlos Mencia and um, you know just a ton of folks and and Bob Saget was in there. I feel like I always knew I probably because I was in in comedy, so I was like, oh, I was like, ah, oh, everyone, he's not the he's not the dad from fam- uh, from Full House, right? <laughs> right. I it's know like the best, the best known secret, but yeah, but it sh- uh, I mean, it shocked a lot of people, but it was the perfect, it was the perfect vehicle for him. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I, I just watched the Mike Binder made a, um, a tribute to him on Netflix. They, they did a whole, tribute I know. And I, is it, is it, I'm sure I can still watch it. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I had Mike Binder on the show. I don't say I, that to name drop, by the way, I'd say it's the one people are listening. I like Mike. I mean, they and Mike's go, from Detroit also. So, yeah. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Right. 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 He's from, yeah. So I'm not name dropping to impress you. I do that. Um, so, people can, am, so people can go, Oh, I'll go listen to that episode. It's, it's self marketing. Thought I never it never even crossed my mind that you were name dropping. I just wanted to let you know. So all right then. <laughs> so when did you stop doing stand up? I still do it. I, oh. Well, when the um, pandemic hit, I kind of put it on pause, and so and then what happened was really? like, yeah, <laughs> oh, right. didn't. yeah, just just me, just me. Really? But I was one of those people like a year in where all the clubs were like, okay, we can do this. I'm like, no, 2021. I was like, January. I'm like, no, this isn't over, folks. Right. And, and so I missed all of 2021. Yeah. I mean, I my stand-up has really waned, really waned. And then I just did my solo show and that took up so much of my time and energy and focus that I, you know, I really haven't been, hadn't been doing a lot of stand-up, but I, I want to get back into it to some degree. I, I'm really digging this solo show that I just did. All right. So let's talk about that. All right. Th- that's a natural segue. That is. Let's do it. 
Does this show make me look fat? Correct. Kathy Ladman. Mm-hmm. A comedian's take on anorexia. Tell us all about it. Mm-hmm. It's about my eating disorder, which blossomed when I was about 18 or so. And a lot of it is about my childhood. I mean, you know, it covers my childhood and, and what kind of a family I grew up in and what my parents were like and how much my life lacked control and how I needed to manufacture control in my life. As we all do, I was just talking to a friend of mine, how like the universe is chaotic and we as humans try to make things orderly to give us the illusion of control, which we really don't have. But that was my personal journey. And it turned into, through a series of events, turned into me struggling for perfectionism and deciding that I was going to be the skinniest person alive. And I got down to under 85 pounds and I'm five, I'm five foot four. So that gives you maybe a bit of a context for that. And, you know, it was really weird because, you know, I I worked on, I've had the idea for this show for like 21 years. I worked on it for a while with one person and then it wasn't really going anywhere. And then I worked on it with someone else and that really wasn't going anywhere. And then a friend of mine said, when she saw me do a reading of what I had been working on, she said, you're missing from this. You're there's no Kathy Ladman in this. She says, if you want, I, I would love to help you create this show. So we started working together about three years ago. And she really got me to put it on stage. And we did it at the beginning of June for three shows. And you know, we'd been performing it, we'd been writing it and then and not performing it and rehearsing it so much. And we were in such a vacuum, like really with not much feedback. I mean, occasionally I, I did, I did one reading for Sue and Monica and Debbie, that group and got a little bit of feedback, but, but for the most part, we really were doing it in a vacuum and I did not know what to expect. Was it going to be entertaining? Was it going to be mawkish? Was it going to be boring? I mean, I, I really no idea what to expect. And it was like beyond my wildest dreams, if I had even dreamt them, which I hadn't, because I, I just, I couldn't even go there, but it went so well. And it's like so exciting for me. And I really want to keep doing it. And now I have to figure out how to make money doing it. It's great that you were able to tackle this and put it all together. But what was the feedback in terms of, were there people there that, and just in terms of the reaction of, because I imagine something like this can help a lot of people. Yes. And that's, and that's also, you know, one of my, one of my goals is to, is to help people through this. I really do feel like putting it out there is a way for me to help people who are, because it's a very secretive, I mean, it's secretive to, to up to a point when you see someone who's anorexic, it's not a big secret because they look so clearly, clearly ill. I said clearly, clearly, but I said clearly, clearly. Um, <laughs> ironically, because it, the word was something. clearly and I didn't say it clearly. <laughs> But having an eating disorder, it's a it's a real disease of isolation. And it's something that people don't like to talk about. And for some reason, it seems to be easier or more comfortable in our society talking about obesity than it is talking about anorexia or bulimia. They're very frightening diseases to people. I think maybe because they just look like death, you know, I mean, like, you you know, people who have anorexia, like they look like they're walking skeletons and it's very scary. And also anorexics, uh, I thought I was doing great. I thought I was fantastic. I thought I was absolutely the envy of everyone. And the show shows how I 
got to a place of recovery, how people, how I had these little angels in my life who came into my life, who one person helped me get to a doctor, another person helped me get to uh, family therapy, another person helped me get to Overeaters Anonymous. There are like touch points and touchstones in my life that helped me along the way to get to a person who's who's not recovered, but recovering, because I don't think you're ever really recovered from this kind of a disease, much like alcoholism. It's a lifetime thing that you have to always be. It is. You know, I mean, I'm, I mean, I look like a normal person now. I, I don't really look skinny. I'm a thin person, but I, and I say this in my show that part of me misses people like going, oh my God, you, you look so skinny. Like part of me misses that. Like that was where I put my specialness. That was what made me unique. That's, I mean, I had such low self-esteem. As funny as I was, my parents did not push me into show business. And I know that's not so unusual, but there are a lot of parents who would, and I hope I'm one of them, who see a quality and a desire in a kid and say, good, excellent, go for it, do it, do it to, to your heart's content. You know, my parents were, ah, I don't know, it's not practical and, you know, it's, you know, maybe not be a good idea. And you get that enough in your life, you start really doubting yourself. And that's what happened to me. So mm. that, I mean, that kind of encapsulates the show a little bit, but it's not really, I mean, I'm not giving the whole show away by saying that. I mean, there are characters in the show. My, I do my parents in the show, which is so much fun to do. <laughs> so much fun to play them. They argue a lot. Well, I'm glad I'm glad these angels came into your life. I'm glad you were able to do it. And, you know, it's it must be fulfilling to be able to kind of put something like this together, knowing that it's probably helping you through your yes. recovery. Uh, but then also just the amount of people you're going to help. It's such a blessing. Yeah. And also it's not, it's not just the show doesn't just speak to people who have eating disorders. It's a lot about control and perfectionism and not feeling like you're good enough. And and I think those are very, very universal experiences. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what was some of the, what was some of the feedback that you got? I got amazing feedback, amazing, amazing feedback. And I got some, you know, I had some prominent people come to the show, you know, people who were my friends and I asked for quotes from them and I got such great quotes that I'm like, I'm just so gratified. I'm so gratified. So um, what we're going to do is put together a sizzle reel and then put some of the quotes up on cards in between scenes and then use it as a marketing tool. So what's what's next? You try to get investors, get to expand it, a theater? Yeah, room? I'm not quite sure. I actually, I have a meeting on Friday with um, with someone that I who used to do stand-up with me and is now in a different part of the entertainment business. And he offered me the chance to talk to him. He said, if you want to talk to me about this, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it. Uh, I may have some ideas for you where you can go with this next. And I said, great. So we're going to meet and discuss that. Well, that's exciting. That is yeah. very exciting. You mentioned that you've been working on this for some 21 years. I had the I since I had the idea. Yeah. But I hadn't been working on it solidly for, um, for 21 years. I, I watched your Ted Med talk that you did. Yes. Which is on, on the same topic. Yes. Was that a one-time thing that you did or was that? It was a one-time thing. Yeah. Because that was very, that was powerful to watch. That was, it was? Very, Okay. I have no perspective. I, okay. I saw you do some of the lines in other 
stand up routine. Right. Maybe, maybe got bigger laughs, but I think your delivery in the Ted met. Oh yeah. It was the, it got, it was really a bad, bad time of day to do it. It was the morning. I did not get a great response. So it was, it was kind of, that was kind of disappointing, but I'm glad it was powerful for you. Oh, I came off more, more serious. I think, I think your delivery was more serious right. than, than when you would do it like on Ferguson or something. Right. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, it came off, it was very, um, it was really powerful, I thought. So was, Thank you. I didn't even know Ted Med was a thing, but there it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> <And, laughs> I'll look forward to like where that goes next. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'll definitely, if if I take it to Detroit, I will be letting you know, boy. Front row. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Let's talk about more important things like the hokey pokey. What is it really about? <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting because my, my brother-in-law got so mad because then he saw bumper stickers like that and T-shirts like that. And he said, that's yours. I said, yeah, well, no copyright. Right. <laughs> when did you make the transition from doing stand-up to being more of a writer? Or do you feel like you always kind of just balance the two? Like you wrote for Roseanne, King of Queens. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't write a lot. I didn't I didn't I really wasn't happy with that kind of job. And like part of me was like, Jesus, if I had stayed with that for this many years, I, w- I would have had quite a different career uh, if I'd stayed on that path. But I didn't want that career. It's a grind, right? It's really hard. And it was frustrating for me because I wanted to be on the stage performing. I didn't want to be in the writer's room. So I consciously left. I was writing on Caroline in the city and I left in the middle of the season. I just, I just didn't want to keep doing it. Got it. Yeah. I remember, I remember that show. <laughs> I loved her from uh, back to the future. And of course, Howard the duck. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was watching clips on your website. Mm-hmm. The modern family clip. Hilarious. It was really funny. Oh God. Was that fun to do? They were so fun to work with. I mean, coming on a show like that as a guest star with people who have been working together for so long, they, oh my God, they, they know their characters. They know what they're doing. It's so, it's really amazing to watch them. And they were great people, both of them. And I was so happy that, that, uh, Jesse just won, um, a Tony award. That was really exciting. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 It's always fun when people, you know, win awards. It's always cool. It is nice. And you know, you know how hard, I mean, I know how hard these people work. I know it. Yeah. The two of them, Mitchell and Cameron, those characters. Yes. And then you just, and then you were um, Mitchell's therapist on the yes. show. And you just played right into his neuroses. But <laughs> yes. So well, I, yes, uh, I still have a session available. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mad Men, you got to dress up. That must have been fun. That was so fun. And you know what? They give you authentic wardrobe right down to your undergarments. They want everything authentic on that show. Pointy bra, same thing, like underwear, stockings with garters. I mean, it was just very authentic period piece and so fun to work with these people. Yeah. I saw that was a scene with Elizabeth Moss. Not a bad person to know now. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I really don't know her, but, but it was, it, she's, she was great to work with. So that was a handmaid's tale joke. I was just, I know, I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. Ugh. 
I know. Oh, I right, we don't have to go there. All right, let's talk about curb your enthusiasm. All right. I love talking about curb with with folks because everybody has the same experience, but they're like they have such joy being and working with Larry David in yes. the whole improv environment. I had a dream about Larry last night that that I just realized that. Oh yeah, what was yeah. it? Were you guys? <laughs> um, I can't remember exactly, but we were laughing so hard about something, and that's not an experience that I've had with him. But we were laughing so hard about something. He was sitting next to me, and his leg. His leg was crossed over, so his knee was sort of his the bottom part of his leg was parallel to the floor, and we were laughing so hard that I like leaned over onto his knee, and we were just like falling on each other. We were laughing so hard. That was very fun. But my experience working with Larry was was great. He's very receptive. He was a great listener, very positive. You know, told you what he liked, and I mean, obviously, he wasn't the director, but. I mean, the director and he allows the director to direct, but he definitely says that was great. That was really great. And yeah, I mean, it was a very, very, um, it felt like a group effort. Got it. You were in it twice, but you played two different characters. characters, yes. Right. (laughs) Yes, it was fun. The first time I played myself. Right. And then, but the second time your hair was different. My hair was gray and very different. Yeah. And the first time my hair was dark and long. Yeah. And I was wearing a poncho that I knitted the first time. Very proud of oh, that. You're a knitter. I'm a knitter. Nice. I do love knitting. My wife makes uh, afghans, or she used to. Nice. Right? She'd make these giant afghans. And, yeah. um, in fact, I may have been to a knitting store in Roy. Is it Royal Oak? No, not Royal Oak. What's the other one? Birmingham? Oh, Birmingham, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a Birmingham and Royal Oak. Right. So have you done comedy in Detroit or filmed in Detroit? Or I did comedy once at... Is it the comedy? What's it called? Comedy Castle? Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle? Yes. Yes. It was a long time ago. Long how's that, time ago. How's that club doing? It's good. Good. It's, good. it's like the A Club. Great. In the area. Yeah. I used to play there all the time. Mm-hmm. I still, I guess I will. I have a couple dates. This, mm-hmm. Good. This year. I'll be at the Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle in August. Um, will but, you in August? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. If you want to come, you can, uh, well, I'll get you on. I'll get you five. I who did you come up with? Did you, I mean, did Sue and them, you become friends later? Are you and Monica? Sue and I like- came, Sue and I met in the 80s. We actually met, well, I met her once briefly at Stand Up New York in New York, which is kind of self-explanatory, I guess. Right. But then we really, we really not got to know each other when we worked together at a club in Oklahoma City. And we shared the condo. And at the time I was going out with Steve Middleman. Do you know Steve? Yeah. He was, um, he and I were together for three and a half years. And one of the things that um, Sue's a huge sports fan and she was watching football and Steve was very excited that she, about the prospect of Sue explaining football to me. <laughs> and football is just, you know, I think is a game that I really never really connected with. Although this past Super Bowl. I actually started to understand it and it was fun. It was fun, but I'm, I, it's a violent game and I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the head banging. No, it's yeah. There's a lot of uh, yeah. concussions and all yeah, that I stuff, don't like but... that. And that was a wonderful film, by the way. Yeah. With uh, Will Smith. Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of the, into the commercials and halftime show yes. when I go to the Super Bowl parties. Well, my friend Mindy had a commercial on. For the Super Bowl, she played Frau Fabissner in um, Austin. Mindy Powers. Sterling, yeah, Mindy Sterling. Oh, okay, I love her. Yeah, she oh, was she's funny. So that great. was great. 
Yeah, she's hilarious. She was really funny in all those. That was a fun, that was a fun, uh, when they do those throwback commercials where they bring back something like that. Yes. I feel like that was for GM or something, wasn't it? It was like one of the for, car I think it was for GM because it was a Chevy. Is Chevy a GM car? Oh, yeah. Everything was an electric car. Every yes. commercial yes. was an electric car. Right. right. Or Bitcoin or something. Right. At that right, right, right. <laughs> But it was very funny. I thought it was a really good commercial. That was that was a great commercial. Yeah. Okay. So I know I've I've had you for such a long time. I appreciate it. That's but there fun. is one at least one more thing I want to talk yes. about. Is um the three stew jets. Oh my God. I think the favorite th- my favorite thing I've ever done. Hilarious. Did two of them and then we got a letter. I received a letter from the Howard family to cease and desist. Oh really? Yes. Or else they would uh, pursue legal actions. I think I've only seen one of them. There was one I thought on your YouTube. I'm gonna no. I said I've only seen one. Oh, so I'll okay. Have to hunt down the second one. Which one did you see? The one with the uh, restaurant. The one that ends with uh, the guys running away with your. Oh, mom. that's that's the blind date, right? Blind date. Yeah. Oh my god! And Judy Toll, who played Larietta. Yeah. Oh my god! And she left us too. She she died a while ago. Oh no. I know, I know. And Judy Nazimitz, who played Curly Ann, is is still a friend of mine. Great. They, they were both of so, them were really funny. They were so excellent. They were so excellent. Well, let's not forget you as Maureen. Maureen, Maureen. that's right. Oh man, it was really. I mean, I knew I was going to be Mo. It's just, it's just my more my personality. When they give you this legal cease and assist, was there specifics? Like, was it because you said the three stew jets and like? Uh, it was just. Well, I'm. Sh- I don't. You know, I don't remember, and I may have the letters filed away someplace, but I'm sure it was the. It was sure it was the title and the likenesses were clearly the Stooges. I mean, that was that. So what? Did, what did your lawyer say? What would have been the issue? Like, did they have a case? Did your was your lawyers like? Oh, I I I knew they had a case from the letter. I mean, it was just. <laughs> it was not, it, it was okay. not, I mean, there was the Howard, it was the Howard estate versus me and they were going to win. And I, and I, you know, I understood, I understood their position, but it was too bad. You know, it was too, you know, it was too bad that they didn't like say, this is great, but we, but this is infringing on, on our property. And maybe you'd like, maybe we can collaborate on this and maybe they could have made some money on it. But unfortunately that's not the approach they took. Yeah, because it was really well done. It looked like an old clip. It was great. Wasn't it great? I mean, it was so so, the production value was so great and shooting it was so much fun. Oh my it God. It looked like you probably had a blast. Oh my God. Well, there's one shot in that particular one where you can see they cut away right before I left. It, and we had to do this one over and over. It's when they throw cold cream in my face. Oh, right, right. Okay, when you're getting ready, yeah. Oh my God. We were laughing so hard. It was just delightful it was just it was exhausting and delightful was that a short film you made for a festival or no just... it was for this show you remember what was it called um comic strip live the sure. show that was on then they had a sunday show called sunday comics mm. and it was for the sunday show Got and it. an ex-boyfriend of mine wrote these and he's no longer with us I mean, everybody's dying. <laughs> everybody's dead. That'll be the name of this episode. Everybody's dead with <laughs> Kathy Ladman. Uh, Kathy Ladman remembers. Yes. <laughs> you think like with Saturday Night Live and all that, like what if this was for a comic strip show and then this was like just a parody? I mean, you'd think right. they would... Uh... Anyway, all right. Well, at least it exists and it's awesome and it's on your YouTube. I know it. It does exist, and there were two of them, and I and I, 
the first one was called Cafe Calamities. And God, I, I really thought it was up on, I thought it was up on YouTube. Maybe it is. Maybe I just saw the one and didn't get to but, the other yeah, one. Yeah, let me know if you have trouble finding it and I'll, I'll, um, I'll make sure to get it to you. Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome. Everybody uh, listening, the ho- the, the uh, what seemed like a, a weird hokey pokey transition was actually a joke from Kathy's uh, HBO One Night Stand. Oh, my God. And I tell you something, I watched that recently, and that is a little uncomfortable for me to watch. Oh, yeah? It's a little uncomfortable. I have changed a lot since then. I mean, look at it. How many years have gone by? Like, let me think, 11, like 30 some odd years. I mean, I've changed a lot as a person and I've changed a lot as a comic. So, yes, a natural growth. When I watch the, the clips from now, it's, yeah, it's just a, okay, I've been doing this for 30 more years type thing. I'm but. just a lot more comfortable. I'm a lot more comfortable. Right. I'm a lot more myself now than I was then. If your hair was longer and black, you'd look identical. You would look identical. That's so not true. And it, but I, I mean, I love this is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, but, you know, I think you would, so... Okay. But I love your style. It's just, I, it's, um, it's the type of kind of delivery. What is my style, Jeff? It's like one of those where you make a joke, but you don't give up the, you're not giving up the fact that it was a joke. Like you had to listen to it and you know, and just through your rhythm and pauses, mm-hmm. it triggers you, you know, that, you know, this was something funny and that this was the big punch. Right. And so like, this is, that's the type of. I'm draw. I mean, is that your way of saying it that I'm very dry? You are dry, but yes. like I love, but I think I am too. So I think that's why right. I, I like it so much. It yeah, just, I'm it's really smart. Dry. I don't do well. On- smart. And you need to figure it out that this was a joke. Right. It's not like. Right. That's true. I, I, I make the audience work, which is why I don't do well on cruises. Oh, no, yeah. They want to be spoon fed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> spoon fed and spoon fed and spoon fed. They just want to be fed on cruises. Did you see Hacks on HBO? Yes. Also? Amazing, right? I oh, know. I like Hannah Einbinder is a friend of mine. Ava. Okay. Yeah. Ava. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That He's show great. is the two of them. They're great together. Amazing. I know. But the lesbian cruise episode. I know that was so great. It's not that <laughs> far from not that far from my experience. Oh man. So I'm sorry you had a bad uh, time on the cruise. That's okay. All right. So uh, hopefully you'll be touring soon. Do not I hope bother so. seeing Kathy on a cruise. If you're on a cruise, <laughs> don't expect it. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Really a pleasure. Thank you. Besides KathyLadman.com, where do you, do you hang out on Twitter or Instagram? Um, or? Eh, I'm not that. I kind of have taken myself off of social media a little bit, but not like I hadn't said to myself, I'm getting off of social media. It's just, I've slowed down a bit. I mean, I I think I'm on Facebook more than anything else. And I know it's an older person's game, but I kind of like the, the fact that I can write more on Facebook. I, I just prefer that Instagram. You have to post a picture and I don't always have a picture with something that I want to say. Sure. And then Twitter, I don't know. I got kind of tired of this. <laughs> what can I say? But you can find me occasionally on Twitter at Kathy Ladman and on Instagram at Kathy Ladman one, because mm-hmm. I made a mistake and couldn't delete the first ridiculous. <laughs> I know. And then on um, Facebook, you know, Kathy Ladman. All right. Well, I'll put links in the show notes. so Everyone can uh, follow you everywhere. That thank they want you. to follow you. Make thank it easy. You, I appreciate well, thank it. Thank you so much. This was oh, so it was much my fun. pleasure, Jeff. Absolutely. All right. How amazing was Kathy Ladman? I know. 
You got to check out the Three Stoogettes. It's an amazing short that Kathy almost got sued over. So you owe it to her to head over to YouTube. Actually, nay, go to the show notes. I put a link right to it in the show notes, her YouTube, and a direct link to the Three Stoogettes. It's brilliant. It really is. Also, Kathy's HBO One Night Stand is on YouTube. You can get all the Kathy you want 24 hours a day. I'm 47 days into Kathy Ladman right now, nonstop. Haven't repeated a joke once. You can do it too. Head on over to YouTube. Oh, oh, I did want to mention one thing. The Boys season three is now complete, and I still recommend the whole thing. And Kathy's called me since the interview and started The Boys. She's loving it, in case anyone wanted an update. And Paul Reiser is actually in a second episode, so that was a joy as well. All right. All right. I think we're all caught up. All right. Well, with the interview over, it can only mean one thing. That's right. It's time for another trending hashtag from the family of hashtags at Hashtag Roundup. Download the free, always free Hashtag Roundup app at the Google Play Store or Apple iTunes App Store. Follow us on Twitter at Hashtag Roundup. Tweet along with us. Tweet, and one day one of your tweets may show up on a future episode of Classic Conversations. Fame and fortune await you. All right, this episode's hashtag comes from Hashtag Tavern, a weekly game on Hashtag Roundup. The hashtag, hashtag brand name, a song or a band. The ultimate hashtag where you take a brand name of a company and mash it with a song, a popular song, or a band name. Of course, inspired by my conversation with Kathy Ladman, where we talked about the corporate takeover of names of sports parks. However, we didn't have a hashtag about brand a sports park, but we did have hashtag brand name a song or band. Equally hilarious results. All right, here's some hashtag brand name a song or band tweets. JCPenney and the Jets. Jets, Jets. Oh no, a song tag. That means I sometimes try and sing. All right, I'll try not to. For your sake and enjoyment of hashtag brand name a song or band. Miss Paul's Fish Sticks, the Traveling Pillsburys, Woohoo! Friends in Lowe's Places, Almond Joy to the World. Oh, come on, I, I couldn't resist that one. All right, keep rocking these hashtag brand name a song or band tweets. Derek and the Domino's Pizza, Puma up the jam. Sly and the Family Cold Stone, the Rowling Stones. KFC and the Sunshine Band. These are some amazing hashtag brand name, a song, or band tweets. The RB52s. Bam! I wish I was your lover. You know you love my singing. I want your FedEx. (laughs) The George Michaels classic. And our final brand name, a song, or band tweet. Panic at the Crisco. Oh, all right. You got your own hashtag brand name, a song or band mashup that you want to tweet? Head to Twitter, tweet it, use the hashtag, tag us at Jeff Duoskin Show on Twitter. I'll show you some Twitter love. As always, all these tweets are retweeted at Jeff Duoskin Show. Show them some Twitter love as well. Like, retweet them to your heart's content. And that brings the hashtag to a close. Well, with the hashtag over and the interview over, that can only mean one thing. That's right. Episode 149 has come to a close. Can't believe it. Time just flies by. I want to thank again my amazing guest, Kathy Ladman. And of course, I want to thank all of you for coming back week after week. It means the world to me. And I'll see you next time so much for listening to this episode of Classic Conversations. 
If you like what you heard, don't be shy and give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Also, why not go ahead and tell all your friends about the show? You strike us as the kind of person that people listen to. Thanks in advance for spreading the word, and we'll catch you next time on Classic Conversations. Classic Conversations.